Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new spaces that I shall be hosting, George, on the Polka Starter Gaming Twitter. We are also live on Twitch at the same time, so if you maybe want to see the beautiful face behind the space, you can see us on the Polka Starter Gaming Twitch account as well. Today, we are going to be doing Press Play Game Show, Game Talk, working title. We have the co-host up here with me as well. Obviously, you all know me if you are part of Polkstarter. I am George. I do a lot of the streaming and a lot of the being the beautiful face in front of everything here. And the co-host today has an almost as beautiful face as me, Gaspode. Could you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi all, and thanks for having me up as a co-host. I am George's twin, but I have my own identity of doing content and introducing people to new games via Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter Spaces. But it's great to be here and chatting to these projects. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a little-known fact, or getting rather well-known. We are twin brothers and not the same person running multiple accounts at the same time. Um, if you're new to the Web3 or Web3 games in general, if you are watching on Twitch, you can currently see I am looking at polkastarter.gg. We recently put out a video on Twitter today to explain what is Polkastarter Gaming. And basically, that video sums up everything we do here, and it will lead you to our website, where you can see all different manner of content created by gamers for gamers. So we have reviews, we have guides, we like to stream here as well. You should be able to find our stream currently on our website as well as Twitch. Today, we're going to be talking with two fantastic guests. Um, one of the guests I have spent a lot of time speaking to. Um, I think the first time I ever did a spaces with this guy was maybe nearly a year ago now and the other is a new project that Gaspode actually introduced myself and the Polkasata team too. Um, so we might as well go ahead and let them introduce themselves. I think I will let uh, Grant go first. So Grant can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the project you are representing? Uh, please no huge monologues sir. You know I'm not a monologues kind of guy. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, always love the Polkastarter crowd. Shout out to Mustafa and Omar and Gasboat. I actually met in person in London, so super cool to be hanging with you guys. My name is Grant Hasley. I'm the executive director, founder of Undead Blocks. Undead Blocks is a kill-to-earn zombie survival shooter. We are going live in a week, less than a week, actually. We're going live in six days where you can acquire a weapon NFT, use that to grind for gold and green Z-Bucks. Not going to go into what those are in this time, but happy to answer any questions from you guys. Super excited to just be hanging with you. We've got a lot of the move in our ecosystem and really just excited to see it all come to fruition. So thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to have you up, Grant, as well. And uh, Gaspode, if you'd like to go ahead and pick who is introducing the other side for me. Yeah, so the other guest is AI Arena, and I will let them decide who's going to introduce the project. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll do it. Um, so, hey, everyone, my name is Wei. I'm a co-founder and COO of the project AI Arena. Um, AI Arena is a AI-based game where um, humans train AIs. Um, AIs capture the human skill, 
and then the AI goes and basically competes on behalf of the human in the battle arena. Um, I think we're, we're bringing something really kind of unique and fresh to gaming, whether it's Web 2 or Web 3. Um, and we just wrapped up our second beta test. Um, so a, a lot has been happening recently with the project, but I'm looking forward to getting into it and discussing it with everyone on this call. Fantastic. I'm keen to learn more about AI Arena. I believe I heard from you guys, about you guys, sorry, from Gaspode. And then it was on a arcade to earn or NFA spaces where I really got keen on the idea that you guys had going of training the AI to then be into your fighter. Kind of seemed like something with a, uh, a more brain idea behind it than some of the games I've been used to testing currently. Um, so... The first thing we're going to do is if you are watching on Twitch, you're going to be able to see that I am now looking at some of the reviews we have on our website, polkstarter.gg. And the first review we're going to take a quick look at is by ourselves for Undead Blocks. It is written by uh, Moss DeFetto. And I'm just going to quickly go over his final points and some of the pros and cons of the Undead Blocks, and I'll let Grant quickly speak on those before we'll likely do the same for AI Arena. So, uh, Moss writes, Undead Blocks add the Web3 flavor to the classic Call of Duty Zombies formula, and it tastes delicious. Wagyu games manage to pull off the magic of what used to reel you in for hours, and with consistent 10K and above weekly weekend tournaments, which is very pertinent to this space as we're having today, the tournament side. There is always something to look forward to with Undead Blocks. The various modes and tons of content to develop speak volumes for the success still on the horizon for this title. And we've got here the pros and cons. Pros, several modes to play solo or with friends, variety of weapons, diverse set of zombies, almost endless replayability. Cons, zombies occasionally glitch out. Another con, hitbox registration registration on certain weapons. This is actually a rather old review now, so some of this might have been cleared up already. This review is from August. So, Grant, do you want to touch on a little bit of Moss's review and the overview I've just read for me? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty fair when you just look at it up and down. Um, from our perspective, we really want to be... And I guess there's a drinking game now in my Discord every time I say from our perspective. But uh, really what, what we're looking at is replayability, right? I, I think a lot of these Web3 games do their best to try to get as AAA, as cinematography, you know, oriented that they can. And I think it's very tough to do when you're competing against a billion-dollar studios. What we really wanted to focus on was the gameplay loop. And we love hearing that this individual can play for hours at a time. I think what we want to really focus on is how do we keep the player engaged, especially in some of these tournaments we've been running. So the tournaments he's referencing, we actually gave away over $150,000 cash uh, just in our beta phase alone. And we actually just struck a deal with Immutable X. We're going to be announcing an Immutable X tournament series quite soon. And we're, you're going to be seeing monthly tournaments, whether you have an IMX skin NFT, an Undead Blocks NFT. There's going to be lots of different ways to contribute, come in and have fun. And there will be a lot more different game modes. Now that we've incorporated the Z-Boxes, we can use that for tournaments to make the gameplay more fun, more fresh. And really, I, I, I do agree with his concerns at that point. You know, we, optimization was a big pain point. The, the hitboxes, just making all of these weapons from scratch. You know, we had to start with assets in some spots. But, you know, even building on what we've had, we're just reiterating on it for a year and a half now. And almost every weapon except for the RPG is in a really good spot. So, 
definitely, you know, appreciate the feedback. It's it's something that I take very personally and something that I love seeing. If you're on this space and you know nothing about Undead Blocks, give it a play next week. It's completely free. All you have to do is just give it a download and then head over to Pokestarter. Give it a review. Let us know what you think because we do read almost every review that I can get my hands on. Awesome. Always good. Got the good responses there, Grant. I love talking to you and your positivity, even when it comes to some of the cons within your own project. It's good to know, man. Okay, so we'll do the same now for AI Arena before going deep in depth into how tournaments can really help the game progress and how it can help you build the community. Uh, so I'm not sure if you guys over AI have seen this review. It is by Gaspode, the lovely guy himself. Uh, so I'll quickly go through it the same way and I'll hand it over to you guys to speak on. So AI Arena review. Watching the simulations can be surprisingly exciting as you root for your AI to execute the moves it's meant to rather than just falling off the platform. One potential concern is that once you reach a certain point with your AI, you might be better off leaving it alone, which could reduce your active playtime. Being too good at training your AI fighter in AI arena can both be a blessing and a curse. Gaspoed gives the pros of unique game mechanics, great visuals, incredible Incredible use of AI technology in gaming, potential for esports. Again, this is moving deep into the idea for today of tournaments. The cons, steep learning curve. Some areas can get repetitive and the lack of PVE mode in the beta one. So, um, guys from AI Arena, would either of you like to touch on some of these pros and cons written up by Gaspode? Yeah, for sure. Happy to. Um, so... I think the starting point for AI Arena is that uh, we we are embedding AI technology into gaming in a very, very different way. The, the core game loop is um, very hard to draw kind of parallels and analogies to traditional games. Um, basically, there's three steps um, where, where you're able to effectively like pass on your human skills into an AI and teach it how to learn um, different skills and then watch it as it executes uh, what you have taught it in, in this kind of simulation and battle environment. Um, I won't go into kind of what it feels like. You, you probably have to just try it out to really experience it, it for yourself. But I'll address some of the pros and cons that come, come out of it. I think steep learning curve, absolutely. I think that's one of, the, one, of the, one of the things about building a kind of a brand new kind of game loop is that um, no one really has a kind of a representation or an, an analogy or some type of um, uh, other game that they can draw on their experience or skills from to, to translate into this game. So you almost have to like basically build up the game intuition from scratch. So that definitely adds to the learning curve. The other aspect of it is um, the process and the core learning loop is in effect uh, what AI's like what AI research is all about. So there, there are aspects of, uh, about the discovery of this game um, that's a bit more technical. Um, we've tried to distill that as much as possible into kind of a game loop. And we actually think it's actually where the fun is. Um, despite the fact that there is this like steep learning curve, what we have uh, witnessed in terms of like time on platform is that it has not compromised time on platform. In fact, we're just looking at kind of beta two results in terms of how much time people spend in the game. And it's is pretty ludicrous. Um, like it's kind of mind-boggling and shocking, even to us, how much time people have spent uh, in, in in this competition. So we actually like the fact that there is a discovery curve that the game is difficult. Um, this is precisely the reason why it is a, a fit for esports and competitive format. 
Uh, and ultimately, this game has no ceiling. Uh, it has no ceiling for a couple of reasons. Number one is PvP. So it scales and grows with the skill set of people that are playing and competing in the arena. Number two is because the characters are AIs, they're not pre-programmed. Um, they're not constrained by uh, what a developer um, has prescribed in terms of skill levels as you're progressing through a game. This is all fully determined by the human. And because AIs are very expressive, flexible learning models, um, there's theoretically no limit and or uh, direction in terms of what your AI is able to do. Uh, this sets up nicely over time from a competitive standpoint. So I think all of those ingredients make the game unique. Um, it's definitely difficult and challenging. It's meant to be competitive. But once you get to the hook point of the game, it has an incredible locking effect. And uh, yeah, and it's something that we really look forward to building on over time. And I would just like to say that my review was from Beta 1 and Beta 2, where I was a 49th place finisher. And Beta 2, I'm closer. I think at the highest I got was 13th place. So the, the new me is definitely a, a lot better. And just to cover off on the PvE, you've introduced playground mode since then. So I think that's a, a big part as well. Just for the listeners, um, I have been pinning stuff to the top. So you'll see the reviews that link you back to the websites. You can go and read the in-depth reviews that are there, as well as any other reviews on games. Um, if you do have any questions, we are taking them in the bottom uh, right-hand corner. You'll see that speech bubble. So post me your comments on what you think of the games, if you've got any um, thoughts on the topic that we're covering today. And we'll kind of go through those as we rattle through. But just to touch on the tournament that you've just had there for AI Arena, and I understand kind of what the prizes are that come out of that tournament and how that fits into it. But how important are tournaments and kind of competitive play to what you're building with AI Arena? It's actually one of the centerpieces of the game. Um, it's designed to be competitive. Um, the competition is, you can think about it as like the underlying kind of current of motivation and energy to continue to push the progress of the game forward. And with competition, you can really suck people into uh, the game and, and draw interest into kind of AI and helping learn helping them effectively learn a bit more about what AI is and how it actually works through just intuiting it through um, kind of playing this game. Um, we want it to be competitive because uh, that's what it really fun is, right? Because even if you, you like, I think, Gassi, you, you, you participated in beta one and beta two. Our observation is in beta two, like the competition and the, the, the skill level of the top ranking players dramatically improved. Like the top 20 in beta two, I, I would say is pretty much, you know, across the board better than like the top five or 10 in beta one. Um, and with this competitive uh, kind of undercurrent, it pushes the, the, the kind of the meta and the discovery of this game forward. Uh, and I think that's really what produces really compelling content. And at the end of the day, like content is as important as the game itself. I think the product itself is super unique, super interesting. So when people discover it, they're really going to gravitate towards it, uh, assuming that they put in a little bit of time upfront to learn about it. Uh, but then later on, the interest is cultivated and, and it's continued uh, over time because people love watching what um, the stars of the game are doing. Uh, we just did a kind of a wrap-up highlight uh, review for Beta 2 and you know the top-ranking AIs and what they were doing was just like jaw-dropping and people want to watch it. And that, that continues to replenish the interest and, and push the game forward. 
No, I think there's some great points. And I think the discovery of the tournaments and it doing content is um, something that we're seeing quite a lot of with Web3 games of how to get more people involved. That if someone can't be involved in the tournament, because I know there was loads of people who wanted to be, but you had limited spots, sharing kind of the experience of people as they're going through the tournament will definitely get people interested. So when your next tournament comes around, I think you'll be absolutely flooded with people wanting to be involved. In but I'll just hand off George, because I'm sure you've got something for Grant there. <laughs> I do. Don't worry, guys. We're not going to keep this twin one asks project one, twin two asks project two. Just uh, some of us are more familiar with the other projects than others. Unfortunately, uh, our community guy, Sandbox, a slow, slow snail sometimes. We did not manage to get into the current uh, version of AI Arena, but we are keen to play in the next one, I believe is coming in March, as long as we remember to keep reminding Sam to get us entered into that. Um, so, Grant, I know you have also been big on tournaments and you have been big on tournaments for a while. Uh, there's a rumor that at one point a very well-known and successful gaming uh, guild or whatever we were called at the time did sponsor one of these tournaments. How many tournaments have you uh, done so far and what has been the total prize pool you have given away? Well, I will say without the first tournament sponsored by Pokestarter, we probably didn't, we don't have as much success as we have been with the tournament model. I think we were the first Web3 game to actually do a large-scale tournament. I think you're seeing a lot more now from games like EV. Uh, I know MetaOps was doing a couple. But Pokestarter really led the way. We did a $10,000 tournament with you guys. And that really set the set the tone for other sponsors to come in. We had a couple sponsor tournaments from Immutable X, one from Blue Mint, one from Active World Club. It's probably a couple others that I'm missing. Overall, it was about $150,000 that we gave away in, in a four month period and so that is really just scratching the surface on what we want to do now we got a lot of good feedback from those tournaments i would say the biggest piece of feedback that we have to work on is that the same people were just winning every single time when you have a skill-based game from our perspective it's just we want to make a game where everyone feels like they have a competitive chance to win i'm looking at platforms like DraftKings and FanDuel where they get a lot of average players that don't really know anything about sports but still want to come in, make a random lineup, and still have a chance to win the Millionaire Makers. So expect to see a little bit of a tweak to our tournament format, and especially like the actually like how to play the game. We don't want this game just to be dominated by 10 people that are the best esports players in the world. This game is for the average Joe. I think this is we want we want this game to be for the average player like George that's going to come in every single day, grind, maybe make enough to earn you know, a pizza with his buddies, uh, participate in the tournaments, get access to exclusive skins, content. I really think that's where we can win. And I really like the randomness aspect to it. I think that's what's hot right now on Twitch, what's hot on other streaming platforms where you can come in the game and say, okay, I'm participating in the Undead Blocks $20,000 bash sponsored by Immutable X. Don't hold me to that number. It's just an example. And you're just an average player, but you hit the Z-Box and your score just goes ballistic. I think even with the, the feedback we learned from Dookie Dash, you're looking at Dookie Dash and all the bored apes that had smart brains and uh, new connections to professional gamers, they came in, they, they took all the prizes in the money. <laughs> like your average board ape yacht club holder that's 55 years old that doesn't game anymore had no chance of winning that tournament. So 
it really is a balance. We want to encourage competition, obviously. We want to make a lot of noise, but we also don't want people to feel excluded, feel like they have no chance to participate in these things because then they just won't participate in the future. So it really is a fine line. We're still striking that balance, but I'm confident we're going to be able to do so. And then that's quite interesting what you're saying there with the random aspect, because I know that's what differentiates poker to chess and why poker can get more new people in because there is a random chance of getting into it. But how does that kind of fit in with, because um, I know you've been, you've mentioned the word participation there, but in terms of how these tournaments work in general for games and making sure that you're not just paying out to everyone, because that's always a, a downward spiral a little bit. How oh, are you going to stick to win to earn so that you can't just be terrible and milk the game kind of thing? It's it's an incredibly fine line to, and this is a great conversation to have because you're, I, I look at other games that say, okay, they're doing a zero-sum game. There's winners, there's losers. Well, what happens when the winners continue dominating? How do you find more losers? How do you find more people that just want to hang out for the love of the game that really don't have a chance to compete? I think those games are really going to struggle to continue farming players and bringing them in. That's why, from our perspective, uh, there you go, you can drink again. Um, our focus is... We want to give the professionals, the really good players, an advantage, but we don't want them to have the end all. Like, I'm never going to beat Gary Kasparov in a game of chess. You know, I, I can't compete. I don't have that kind of brain. But if in poker, I mean, if he's got a 60-40 on me, but I hit the flop hard, I could, I could get the win. So you're exactly right. That's a wonderful comparison. I've actually never really described it that way, and I'm going to steal that from you. I appreciate that. Uh, but really, it's such a fine line because we want to encourage competition. We want people to feel like they're competing against the best of the best. We want to have tournament play, but we just want to make sure that the same five, ten people aren't winning every single time. It's very tough to do that. If we did, if if Dookie Dash did another tournament, uh, you know that that Fortnite Pro is going to win again, and if he doesn't win, he's going to finish in second or third, and so. You continuously do these events. Eventually, people get frustrated and say, well, I'm just not good enough to compete. And then they go find something else to do with their time. So we want to keep them involved. We want to keep them engaged. I will give you guys a fun stat. When we enable play to earn, and by play to earn, it means these tournaments that we've been doing, the average session time that of play is about three hours per player. So we have really good replayability with our game. We have a really good gameplay loop. We just have to fine tweak it so that more people feel involved and feel like they, they have an equal chance to win some of these events. And I really think the RNG will help us with that. Yeah, man, I really like the idea of keeping it so it's not the top people, because I know we've had uh, Shinya dominating or yeah. previously dominating some of the undead block ones um, to the point where I think the last one I took part in, <laughs> I don't think I made the top 500. <laughs> so, so yeah. That's not your fault. I mean, you're a good player. That's why you've got your veteran pack. That's why you're going to be hitting the boards on, on 228 because you're going to have a chance to hit that Z box and you might walk away with a hundred bucks. Like there's going to be one person at least per day that that wins $100 playing a video game. Now, if I tell the 300 people on this channel, you know, you could go play a video game for fun and make nothing, or you could play one with a chance to win a hundred bucks. I think a majority of people would give it a look, give it a play. Like we don't need them to play all day, but that's the kind of randomness factor to it that we need to have. And from we, we have to also toe the fine line where we don't want people to think it's completely random because then they're just gambling. We don't want that either. We want this to be a skill-based game like DraftKings, like FanDuel. If you're a good FCS player, you have a better chance to win, but it is not the all-end-all because I think that's really frustrating for people. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, I'm going to pass this one over now to AI Arena because we've already spoke on the fact 
that you guys have got like a steep initial learning curve as well. And I know you guys have run, um, I believe it's two tournaments already. I could be wrong. Um, no doubt someone will jump and correct me and love to prove me wrong. Um, but if you have such a high learning curve at the start, do you have the fear that it will be the same names that dominate all of your tournaments? Or do you have a plan in place to bring in the smooth-brained people? Like, I see we've got Moss Stafetto in the, uh, in the crowd there, and that is one smooth-brained boy. Is there a way that he's going to be able to come into this and place top in these tournaments if he hasn't had prior training in Beta 1 and Beta 2 to really know how to train his AI? Yeah, there's a, there's a few ways that we can address that. Um, first of all, um, the entire game is not intended to be super competitive. We're, I mean, the competitive tier will be a natural uh, group of people who play at a very high level, and they're playing it almost as like a professional endeavor. Um, that's that's kind of the end state vision. Um, there's going to be uh, more kind of a casual, free-to-play version of the game that's available to everyone. Um, and then in terms of the onboarding, the strategy over time is that this is really like, despite the fact that it's PVP and your AI at the current moment is like battling one-on-one -on -one versus other AIs, um, the meta game around this is that it's actually a social learning game. Um, so from, from a community building perspective, uh, from a content um, kind of creation perspective, um, that's the next push for the next little while, one of, one of the areas that we're going to be really focused on is um, generating that kind of corpus of um, uh, tutorial content, um, kind of intuition content for people uh, that when they're coming onto the game for the first time, they can just watch like really short video clips and get an intuition about how the core game loop works. Um, to be honest, like the game loop, yes, there is friction because like I said, like no one's ever really tried a game loop like this necessarily. It's like a kind of a mix of many different types of games smashed into one. Um, but once you learn the core mechanics of the game, the game loop is actually super simple. It's just the discovery space and the strategy and the problem solving um, that's difficult. It's not like it's super hard to play the game necessarily. Um, so I, we like to think about it as it's simple but not easy. And, and that's actually, I think, what you kind of want out of games, especially a competitive type of game. So there are, there's going to be different segments of the product that speaks to a different audience. And we are fully aware that like most casual players are not going to want to compete at that level. And um, they're still going to be able to get the experience of what it actually feels like to train an AI, impart your skills into it, and then see it perform and, 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 and compete, even if it's just casually or for fun. Um, so all of those things um, we're currently thinking through. But yeah, I think on the, on the onboarding friction side, I, I think um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that we can do from a, a social kind of um, uh, social information and uh, infrastructure perspective that we can really help to plug the gap there. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea of that. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, George. Yeah, I just wanted to make one point. Um, I would also draw a, a parallel to Formula One in the way our game is set up. Um, if um, if you recall in Formula One, there are, let's say, 10 teams. And there are the top three teams which gun for the first, you know, for the Constructors' Championship, for the Drivers' Championship. You know, the, your Hamiltons, your, you know, in first place. But then there's also mini battles going on uh, elsewhere in the pack. So I know that the, the race to get into the top five, some of the smaller teams, that's widely followed. And, you know, if you think of each NFT, you know, as a vessel of your skill or, or, or in this case as a race car and, you know, the person trading the AI being sort of the driver, um, we do realize, yes, it's going to be super competitive at the top 
for the first places. And we want that because it's, it's aspirational and it drives um, in, uh, in viewers and whatnot. But, you know, you don't have to come in first place to have a good time. There's going to be, you know, as long as you're in the top 50% of the players, you are a, a NPV positive. You are an earning player. So there will be battles for the, the top 30th percentile, the top 50th percentile to get in uh, profitably. So, you know, this idea that, that just because it's hard and, and, and if I'm not in first place, I'm going to leave it, you know, actually the, this tiered, you know, the, this tiered sort of system, it actually creates for more spectacle and you can only really do that in an ELO based skill based game. Right. So, you know, um, think chess, think, uh, you know, and, and so I just wanted to impart, impart that point uh, about our game. Yeah, that's, that's awesome to think about as well. Another ideal to think about the way that maybe it's not going to be overly dominated by the initial people. Um, with what was going on with the first explanation as well, I think it really sums up the idea of um, simple to learn, hard to master. And then those that have mastered, being able to create the content to pass down this knowledge um, to the people to be onboarded as well. I think that's a very um, great system for not only passing on knowledge and just getting other people educated in AI in general, but will definitely help build your community. If you have joined a community and then an existing community member has taught you how to do the basics, taught you how to do more advanced stuff, I think that's going to really give people connection to the community. One thing that I do think of, though, with the idea of you don't want the same people always winning, you want to make it fair and all this sort of other stuff, uh, I'll hop over to you, Grant, as well, because I know you've touched on this before, is, Grant, in your game, Undead Blocks, how are you combating cheaters? We know with the Dookie Dash uh, controversy that has come out and people having their scores scrapped because they've been up to nefarious deeds whilst racing for the Dookie Dash. What is Undead Blocks doing to not only keep it fair on a skill basis, but also just a straight outright cheating basis? Yeah, it's a it's a really good point. Um, the biggest offenders we've seen are people that can just manipulate the leaderboard. They actually can't manipulate the in-game mechanics of our game. And those that have, have been very rare one-offs. And those people are should be commended for you know the kind of bug hunting that they do but really um we, we've seen good uh results from our anti-cheat i wouldn't say great i'd say they were good and one of the things that you can do is you can gatekeep things behind the nft and so i know that dookie dash had some issues they had a couple of people that were able to manipulate their engine you know, dookie dash really was just another temple run built game if you guys don't know what that game is and it was really just a reskin of a previous game that they built so there was some source code out there that they could manipulate but from our side a lot of these game mechanics were building from scratch and that does help us uh what we saw was when we offered completely free to play tournaments you had people coming in and trying to break the system and so we're definitely going to be gatekeeping our tournaments going forward behind an nft now it doesn't have to be a really expensive one like a undead blocks genesis pack or an apocalypse pack but for example let's say we do an immutable x tournament you're gonna have to hold an imx skin nft well you can go buy one of those for five bucks on a secondary market so it's not really going to be free anymore but it's going to be really low barrier to entry because we want people that are coming in and saying okay they're gonna invest in this ecosystem if you make something completely free they're gonna be people that spend their entire day trying to fuck up your day or trying to to, to hack it so we're always looking at it it's very easy for us to identify cheaters that's the good part 
part is we can see every single move you make, every single shot you take in the game. We can track patterns. We can track movements on the on the grid. It's easy for us to identify who is using a manipulator of some sort. Really, the biggest offenders were people that were manipulating a leaderboard. But this is another thing that people get really sensitive about. If you're playing uh, in an undead blocks tournament, it's a thousand dollars first place. That's for some people in Web three, two or three months of rent or food. Like they're very interested in getting to the top spot. We want to make sure that we have the integrity, that people aren't questioning the integrity, and that really we're we're compensating for fair play. If people are are manipulating and using their NFTs, we have to address it on a case by case basis. I just can't say, okay, this NFT is going to be blacklisted. What we've been seeing is when we threaten a blacklist, people just list their NFT to somebody else. And since it's anonymous, we don't know if it's the same group of people that are making those sort of decisions. So we are going back to the drawing board in terms of how do you punish an NFT holder? And I think what Dookie did was right is you verify the results, you clean sweep at the end, and you don't give those those players anything. That and that is really going to be the best way forward for a lot of uh, the antics that we've been seeing. But we're, we're, we're very confident in our anti-cheat. I'd say it's good. It's not great. It does have to get a little bit better. No, I, I definitely think that's important, especially with money on the line for tournaments. So me and Sandbox and a couple of others from the tournament uh, from the uh, community were playing a new alpha last week, which has only just come out. And it's not even like, it was just like closed alpha-ish. And even then we got done in by a hacker and there was nothing on the line. No, the game wasn't new. There was no prestige, no flex, and still someone wanted to do it. So it is, people will definitely try and do it, especially if there's money involved. And that is and the then, biggest we face here, Gasboat, is you're looking at these games and saying, okay, win to earn, win, lose. People just want to have fun, but that's not really how the average brain works in Web3. If you're playing a Web3 game, you want to make money. You came in here because you were into crypto, you were into NFTs. We're starting to see more of a push from content creators. You're here for the gameplay, right? Well, we're not really seeing that in practice. We're seeing a lot of people that are here to compete that are here to win and they want to make money. They want to, whether it's an NFT collection or a crypto collection, they want it to explode. And so these people's feelings are very sensitive when they feel cheated or they feel like they don't have access to information. When you live in an industry where doing your due diligence or getting alpha is the most important asset for a lot of these collections. So it is a very tough line to navigate. Uh, and, and I completely empathize with that that group that's creating the alpha. Like people are attacking yeah. <laughs> for no reason. It's very frustrating. So that's just what you've been seeing in practice. No, 100%. 100% and I, I get that. And then with AI Arena, like I've played it a bit and I could definitely do with just being better. I tried training it just by me playing and my hands don't even work properly with a controller. I just got old hands these days, I guess. But is there any worry of cheating when it comes to the trainer? Because even though you're not competing directly against a person, maybe within the training itself? Um. Hmm. That's a great question. So, um, like, how do you envision someone would cheat training? Like, if um, they're like a researcher, they train it off-platform um, with like Python, and then they upload it to to the platform. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Uh, I'm probably a bit too smooth-brained to come up with how to cheat, but if that would work, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's as much of a worry, but is it something you've had to think about for the tournament? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Well, well, one thing I'll say, it's impossible to treat to cheat in, in ranked battle um, because in order for them to cheat, they would have to hack our server. Since the entire matches run on server, there's nothing about it that runs on client. 
which is the beauty of using AIs to compete. Um, so the only way, like you mentioned, that people can possibly cheat, and it doesn't really cheat the results, it only cheats kind of how they got their AI to where it is, is in training. Um, but uh, we can also limit this, right? We can make sure that our server, uh, for example, if we are really concerned about this, we can move training onto server, um, and we can have the server sign a message to basically say it validates the training result. And you have to basically push the message with the model hash onto the blockchain. And you can easily verify that the server actually did sign that. Um, so in that case, the only way to cheat would be to actually hack our server. Um, so yeah, we, we can easily move, move to something like that. And we do similar things for other aspects of the game to make sure um, people don't cheat in various aspects. So it's easy for us to port that over to training as well. And then just to coming on on that, I guess it's less cheating um, because it wouldn't be. But do you envisage rather than someone trying to cheat the system, they just start getting really good players and pay them to do the training for them? Because I know when I tried <laughs> recording just me playing, yeah. it actually did a lot better than I expected. And I'm terrible. Yeah, um, I certainly see that, that as something that will happen. Um, in fact, a funny story during our alpha, like over a year ago, um, it was actually Jello. I'm pretty sure on Jello's team, his teammates would give them, uh, give him their NFTs because we had the marketplace integrated at that point, and they would just sell their NFTs to Jello. He would train them, then sell it back to them, <laughs> and and they won the the competition that way. Um, and it, was, it was so funny. So I, I totally see people doing that. There's nothing really we can do to stop it. In fact, I think it's actually a cool a cool thing about what we're building that people can basically encapsulate their skills in this NFT because it's learning from them. And if you are really good at something, right, you can now monetize that way, right? It's like, imagine LeBron James got like 100 shell of like robot shells, train them all how to play ball. He can sell his robots to people that, that want to use them. Um, so I, I think, I, I'm not concerned about that. I actually think it's really cool. Thanks. No, sorry, I lost my mute button there. No problem. Uh, but no, it, I think it, it's good hearing about it. And you can see that tournaments are going to be playing a big part for both of your games in the year to come. But Grant, kind of what bits are you excited for in the year coming? Can you repeat that one for me? What are you excited in the year to come? Oh, boy. I, I'm excited for a lot of things. Uh, I think it's about time we start getting these games out of alpha beta, myself included, with Undead Blocks. We start actually releasing games where people can earn. I think the biggest differentiator between Web 2 and Web 3 isn't owning your assets anymore. I think that's the narrative that's really been pushed by some of these content creators. What we're seeing is people want to make money. like They want to earn. They want to do it sustainably. They don't want to have to wake up every single day and say, is my game going to collapse? Is my I, I feel like sentiment from an nft collection is at an all-time low everyone's nervous about getting the rug pulled under them and i think a lot of these games are coming in hot ourselves alluvium blanco's is another good one my pet hooligan non-fungible arcade with dr jpeg there's a lot of us that are coming in to 2023 with a lot of momentum a lot of gameplay and i think that's good i think that the messaging just has to get better 
from both our side as well as, you know, community members and saying, okay, focus on sustainability, but really focus on gameplay. I think the gameplay loop is going to become the most important. I love if we're just going full circle, that first review that you read us where that person said, I could play for hours and I feel like this is OG COD Zombies. That's exactly what we want. We want our game to feel like COD Zombies crossed with Mario Kart. You can come in and grind, whether it's you're making a dollar, two, three, five dollars a day. You're that one lucky person that hits the hundred dollar gold Z box. Like it will keep them coming back every single day. And just making more content about this kind of stuff. I mean, Pokestarter has really been the trailblazers, the industry leader, whether it's through the, the the gamer awards you guys did, the Pokestarter Gaming Awards, uh, the the website you guys just with the reviews, giving people access to information. Information in Web3 is so disjointed. You have to go to a Discord or a Twitter or an Undead Block or uh, Undead Block's website. Like it it has to get a little little bit better. But in terms of excitement, I think we're finally going to get some games. I think it's been years and and we're at the forefront of that of actually delivering tangible gameplay for people. We need to make more maps. We need to make more uh, more weapons. We have to have more game modes. Eventually, having a PvP VZ uh, a game mode where you can shoot each other but also die by the zombies is is also on the list but that's really what i'm most excited about is just finally getting to the point where we're no longer talking about white papers and we're talking about games where you can come in play have fun and earn a little bit of money on the side yeah that all sounds good grant uh og is informing me that you missed one thing there that we have pinned to the top of the spaces that you have coming soon undead blocks mobile when oof so we're looking at quarter two for mobile. Uh, we're going to see how this goes with our client launch. Now, we also have a mobile-based browser that we have integrated. And right now, we're just waiting on pulling the trigger. It's very expensive to run a cloud gaming platform. So we're really just looking at that strategy and wondering when it's best to deploy. Really, this launch on the 28th is for those that have a weapon NFT. If you have a Genesis or Apocalypse pack and you ask me every single day, when earning, when earning, when earning, I can answer that question. It's on February 28th. We have to put more features in. That's why we're calling it a soft launch. Mobile being the largest of them all. When we get to mobile gaming and we can push this game out through our apps on the Apple and the Google Play Store, Undead Blocks will change the world. I think this is, you're looking at games like Apex Mobile, Battlefield Mobile, they're shutting down. Like COD Mobile really do dominates. Galena Free Fire is another good game in South America where people can play. But if people can download this game, they can grind for those regular Z-Bucks to earn those loot coffins, to sell assets on a secondary marketplace, buy, sell, and trade with each other, but also have the ability to earn crypto. I mean, it's just game over. So we have to do it sustainably. We have to scale slowly, but I love our model. I wouldn't change anything about it. And mobile is really going to help us in that aspect, too. So appreciate that, Omar. Next next time we go out for wings, it's on me. Uh, thanks for that, that shameless plug. <laughs> he, he was making sure that you acknowledged that he had pinned that for you. So we're already super excited from what's happening from Undead Blocks. Uh, what do we have excited to be for for the coming year from AI Arena? Oh, man, we have a lot of stuff. <laughs> Um, so I think one thing is we want a lot of people to experience AI arena. Um, so we are certainly going to make a push, push for the demo version of the game, uh, which is basically a more simplified version of the game with one map, one that you can't fall off the platform. The idea is to generate intuition into how the gate core game loop works. Uh, so we certainly want to push that out for a lot of people. Of course, coming out of the beta, there's some bugs we need to fix. <laughs> so we are prioritizing fixing a lot of those bugs. Um, but yeah, the, the, that's kind of like the, the first step. Of course, we have a series of other betas that we want to roll out to really perfect the game. 
and then the goal is sometime in the summer to do sort of like a mainnet launch, actually launch this thing on Arbitrum. Uh, so super excited about that. And then going forward, um, we are also planning or going to attempt to launch or at least start testing our researcher platform, uh, which is the other part of AI Arena, which I guess we don't talk as much about. Um, but essentially what everyone is playing now is the gaming competition where it's essentially a no-code competition where you can train an AI. Um, we also have a researcher competition where people can train their AIs um, basically by coding up machine learning algorithms and then drag and drop them onto our platform. And so the goal is to start testing that with uh, a number of researchers and hopefully start growing that competition as well. Yeah, that sounds awesome. The idea of having a uh, research side of it as well as a um, gaming side of it. That's, that's really interesting. I like that goes really well with the whole idea of the AI training and then going into the fighting as well. I, uh, like I said at the very start, I've been a huge fan of the idea of using knowledge to then create something that then fights. I know some people are kind of against it. Um, the idea of you're not controlling your fight alive whilst it's fighting. But to me, that's every auto battler anyway. But this time I've decided what my auto battler character is most likely to do, opposed to in classic auto battlers where you're just given a character and it will do that thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And one thing I'll say is um, we, we invite all the haters to, to play our game. Um, we, we have a lot more conviction now that uh, even if you are hating on the idea, as soon as you play it, well, once you play it and once you figure out how to teach your AI to do one thing, uh, that's when the hook is. And so we, we actually saw this in the, the current beta that a lot of people, uh, not a lot, but there was like a specific subset of people that were hating on it. And then by the end, they're like, oh, I really love the tournament. This was like a really fun game. Uh, so it's interesting to see that kind of flip in narrative as they actually play our game. And really, all you have to do is give it a chance, just, just test it out. And uh, I'm certain you'll really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to my opportunity to play. So we're coming up on the final 10 minutes. And what we're going to do is try and be the first space to ever only run for the hour that it was suggested for. So uh, we're going to go over to AI Arena first. And if you can give us your best chill of where people can find you, where they can get involved, where they can be part of the community, where they can do whatever, join and just be something to do with AI Arena for me. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the first thing is definitely follow us on, on Twitter. We push some, some cool content, some cool highlight clips once in a while. But I think uh, the, the place you really need to be is in our Discord. That's where all the action is. Um, that's where you can basically qualify for various things like testing out our demo, for example, playing our game, earning prize boxes. And so definitely recommend uh, jumping into our Discord. Uh, it's a pretty lively place <laughs> and a lot of friendly people. 100%. I, I can definitely agree with it being lively. I've loved being there during the tournament. And Grant, if you can uh, do it without monologuing, what's the best shill for Undead Blocks? Yeah, I mean, six days from now, you guys are going to be able to earn every single day. Uh, if you guys are interested, head over to undeadblocks.com, download the beta, give it a play. It's completely free to play. So if you don't have an NFT, but you want to grind for some Z-Bucks that you can use to swap for some assets in-game, feel free to just download, make a, a Wagyu account, and let us know what you think. Give us feedback. Follow us on the socials. Join our Twitter. Our Discord's always popping. Uh, we also have a Telegram chat as well. All of the links are in the description of our Twitter profile. So super excited for you guys having uh, having us up here. 
uh, we've worked really hard to get to the 28th and we're just, you know, excited to have focus starter as a partner. You guys have been with us since day one and we appreciate all, all the, the support you guys have given us over the last six months to a year. We're ready to rock and roll. Excellent. It all sounds good from both sides. So before I go on to my final shill, which is likely to be a monologue on behalf of Polka Started Gaming, uh, Gaspode, would you like to shill yourself a little bit before we go on to that, sir? Uh, I will do, yeah. So I do Twitter spaces with new games and I do YouTube and Twitch and Twitter threads. And that's about it, really. And I've also started doing written reviews on Pokestar Gaming. So I'm now a big brain boy. So that's me. But just keep an eye out and I'll show you some good games as we go through it. <laughs> well, one of us certainly needs to get better at shilling things. And I can promise you after this monologue, you will believe that it is not me. So we are here at Polkastarter Gaming. We have branched out a lot more than our original ideal that was Polkastarter Gaming Guild. We are more moving into what our final vision and towards what we really want to achieve in the space. The new website, which has been updated, I believe, three times now, is definitely pushing in that direction. Make sure you go and check it out. It is on polkastarter.gg. We have reviews, we have games, we've got different genres split up. We've got news just in general for stuff that is happening in the gaming space as well. If you've been watching on Twitch, you'll have been able to see me going through some of these pages. You can also watch our live streams on Twitch as well. Um, with Twitch on the mind, make sure you go over to our Twitch. We are Polkstarter Gaming over on Twitch as well. Follow all of the socials that we have for Polkstarter. Obviously, we're here on the Twitter now, so you know where this is. Make sure you come to our Discord, because we do do Discord-only events as well. And we managed to connect with a surprising number of projects, so there is always something that you guys can get involved with to potentially win or just have fun with other people that are into the same things that you are e.g. Web3 Gaming. So this has been the first episode of Press Play Game Talk, hosted by myself, George. You can follow me on Twitter. I also have my own personal Twitch as well that I stream on. If you like to hang out and chill, uh, I can warn you that's not always Web3. But make sure you come along to the next one. Uh, likely going to be co-hosted by Gaspode again for the next one, but we do plan to get the whole team involved. So if you are dying to hear from Omar, San or Moss, your opportunity will come to hear them on Press Play Game Talk when it is their turn to come up here and co-host with me. But make sure you join us next time and I'll see you then. I hope you all have a good one. See you next time. Boys, girls, ladies, gents, whatever. I'll catch you in the next space. Peace.